10 takeaways finale. The last top 10 takeaways of the season. Theo told me Theo is our head of content. The great Theo Greminger, who is the number one high rising, high riser it analyst in all of fantasy right now. So bravo to Theo. He had an incredible, absolutely incredible 2023 and he is running our content. He is controlling what articles go out, what shows go out, and he knows. Like I trust this guy, man. He knows. We killed it, destroyed it in December. Huge growth in the YouTube channel in December. I didn't think that was possible, but he did it with you know streaming defenses, you know a, a kicker video, right? He just figured out what people want and grew the channel even in December, much to my chagrin. I was like, whoa, this is this is incredible. So Theo's doing a great job. And Theo told me, you don't have to do the show. Like it's week 18. What are you what are we going to accomplish here? Right? It's January 8th. Fantasy is over. People have moved on. You can talk dynasty if you want to do a dynasty show. You could do that. People want that. But they looking back at what happened in week 18, really? And my response to that is, I don't care. I made a commitment to this audience that week 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 weeks of top 10 takeaways with the Podfather. Even when my camera fails in the main woods, I will make it happen. We will do a video. And it'll just be the logo of the show, but you will hear me giving my takes every week, even in a week that doesn't really count for fantasy. It's a big DFS week, great DFS week, but for most fantasy gamers are checked out. That's what he said. He said, hey, we need the Podfather when fantasy is hot, not when it's not. And I said, uh, I don't care. I don't care. We're doing the show. We're doing a show. Week 18, a commitment is a commitment, okay? So we're, we're going forward, but this is also a fun show. I love doing these shows where I don't actually have any takeaways. I didn't watch any games with the exception of Pittsburgh-Baltimore was on in the virtual golf bar that I was in on Saturday. So I did catch up a bunch of that game. I don't know what happened. I didn't even check my phone yesterday. I was busy doing presentations for investors and preparing my feedback. Like now I have to do these formal evaluations of all of our staff, all of our directors. We meet in January to to look back on 2023, look ahead, what's coming up in 2024 that we need to think about, strategize. So I was doing all of this 2024 planning in addition to this application to become a fantasy operator in Pennsylvania, it was a lot of work. So that's what I was doing instead of watching football. I wasn't doing something else. It wasn't some other hobby. I'm not cheating on football with another sport. I'm not cheating on you all by starting another company in some other sector. No, no. It was all about fantasy football. It just wasn't me consuming the content about week 18 performances. So I thought, well, you know, I only pulled the lever. Like we had that ripcord that says, hey, if I have a really busy weekend, 
I could just not look at anything and then I will open the box score for the first time. No takeaways to start the show. Just we'll open the box scores for the first time and then you'll get to consume the performances with me in real time as I'm finding out what the hell happened. That's also fun. I have no idea. I have no idea who's in the playoffs. I have no idea. who. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I know that Pittsburgh won. And if Pittsburgh won, that means they're probably in. So my my assumption is that Pittsburgh's in because there was a, again, the, the game was on in the virtual golf bar. So there's now these virtual golf bars where there's a screen and you can hit the ball into the screen and there's all of these laser sensors on the ball impact area and on your club to measure your club head speed, your club head angle, you know, how the ball struck, how the ball struck the screen, and then calculate exactly what happened. And so I get there and I'm swinging away practicing and I'm hitting the ball well. And my assumption was incorrectly that, oh, this is, this is a classic video game. These are very forgiving screens. This whole system is very forgiving. There's no way that I've hit the fairway this many times in a row. That's not possible. When I go to the driving range, no way, right? This is a, this is, this is a game. This is fake. This isn't real. Lo and behold, I was just playing well, right? And so as soon as my shots started to degrade, oh boy, the, the course was not forgiving at all. It was not forgiving. It was like a difficulty of a two out of 10. And there, there were still holes where we were like, you know, chipping it up, comes back down, chipping it up. It's like, oh my God. So it was very challenging. I think we got through, there was a bunch of us. I think we, we, we didn't finish the, the front nine before we had to go. It was like, listen, this is, this is tough. This is tough, but it would, but that's golf. Golf is hard. And I assumed it was going to be more forgiving than it was. Cause I was like, hey, you know, the consumer doesn't want to be here all day. No, no, they do. No, it's golf. This, they, they, the authenticity and a, a, a true to life simulation was more important for this business than just, you know, giving people a fairway lie where they really don't deserve a fair. No, 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 that's not what happened. So I had a lot of fun with that. I encourage you to try it out. If if one of these bars opens up in your town or city, it's cool. It is it is it is cool. It was it was a lot better experience than I thought. And again, the accuracy is scary. It's scary because sometimes you hit a ball bad and you know exactly what happens. Like I've hit a ball like that before, and I know exactly where that ball goes. And then sure enough, it went exactly where where I thought it would go on the screen and I was like, oh geez, this is creepy good. So yes, this was a creepy good. I don't even remember the name. I wish I remember the name. I should give out the name of the place, but I don't remember the name of it. I don't. Uh I was a passenger in this whole thing. So yeah, and you could see uh, uh wearing wearing my uh, lucky monkey knife fight hat, right? Monkey knife fight is is a company I think about frequently in that the whole user experience was bad. I don't even remember if Monkey Knife Fight had a mobile app. They might have, but I only remember using it on my computer. They probably had a mobile version, if not an app. I don't remember. I'm sure maybe at some point they did. Maybe early on they didn't. I don't know. I don't remember. 
Who cares? Doesn't matter. At no point was anyone thinking, man, this monkey knife fight app, it really kicks ass and the user experience is awesome. I love this thing. It's so easy. It's so cool. No one was thinking that, right? No one was thinking that. And that company sold for $90 million <laughs> because they became a fantasy operator at a great time to be a fantasy operator. And, and then after whatever company bought it, I believe Bally's bought it, maybe? I think Bally's, the casino group, bought it and either intentionally let it run its course and, and close it after they had sort of migrated the users to their a new platform or they just struggled to to make make it work. I don't know why it it failed ultimately, um, but it eventually did close, and there is no more monkey knife fight. It's it's over. But remembering the story of monkey knife fight is something that I uh, will will I'll never forget it. Never forget monkey knife fight. Never forget monkey knife fight. So we're always gonna bring, bust this hat out on shows that don't matter, <laughs> right? The week eighteen. Top 10 takeaways. Off we go. Here we go. Enough preamble. How how much preamble have we done? We're 10 minutes in. We're 10 minutes in. We have not yet started the show. We have not yet given a single takeaway, except that I'm pretty sure the Steelers advanced. So with that, let's let's uh, let's hear from Ben openly. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer to peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on Bet Openly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Questions in the chat. What is my handicap? Well, I uh, uh, my handicap has fluctuated over the years. Let's just say that. It is high now. It is high. If I play any kind of challenging course whatsoever, I am not going to be a bogey golfer. I am My, my handicap is going to be above 18. Uh, if it's a really easy course, pencil me in for bogey golf. But if there's any kind of challenging aspects to the course especially if it's narrow, uh, then forget it. Forget it. I'm going to be happy to bogey holes. But it is sad. It is sad because my handicap was down closer to 10 at one point 20 years ago when, uh, you know, I, I had more time. But I even have a, a family tournament that 
I used to go to, and, and uh, I uh, tied for first one year, lost in the playoff, but I just want to make sure I say tied for first, lost in the playoff. I need to say that. Not second place, not second place, tied for first, <laughs> lost in the playoff. Ugh, haven't even been able to go to that tournament for two years just because there's been too much going on. You think growing player profile the way we've we've done is something that I can do on autopilot? Absolutely not. I think we just do all these shows. I think I can do... You saw me try to do a show, Top 10 Takeaways, two weeks ago from the main woods. How'd that work out? Right? No video. <laughs> the video, video was glitching. Uh, who knows why? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll blame the computer. We'll, we'll blame the old laptop. We'll blame the internet connection. We'll blame all kinds of things. Bottom line is... I need to be here. I need to be here in studio with you week in, week out, day in, day out to build player profiler into what it will ultimately become, uh, which is a, you know, a, a well-regarded media company and, uh, you know, and, and provide fantasy gamers with everything they could possibly want from fantasy advice, rankings, you know, consultants, tools all the way through to actually a, a platform where you can play fantasy football. So I've always dreamed of being able to deliver every single aspect of what a fantasy gamer needs and wants. My aspiration was to be the first to ever offer everything in one app or in one set of services. So that is the goal and it is ambitious. And if you're going to be that ambitious, you can't go to the family golf tournament some years, but this year I really want to go. This year, it's I'm thinking I might be able to go. I might be able to make it work. I should be able to go. It's something I should be able to do, right? Put it in the chat. Confirm that I should be able to go to this thing. And eventually, eventually what I tell myself is eventually we'll get to a place where there's enough people like Theo that I can trust to run shit and I can play more golf, and we can get the handicap back down close to 10. That would be great. I mean, I played high school golf. I've been playing a long time. I'm not just learning now. I could bust out a 60-degree wedge and ooh and ah, you know, up over a bunker and carry, and I could do cool shots. Like, I have skills. It's just if you don't practice, you're dead. You're dead with golf. So that's the golf background that you didn't need, you didn't want. And I'm only doing that because I want to see how long we can go without giving a single takeaway. We're now 16 minutes in without a single takeaway. So I feel I actually I take a lot of pride in that. How many minutes can you go on a show called Takeaways where you give no takeaways? Falcons got destroyed by the Saints, and then it didn't matter because the Saints still uh, missed the playoffs. And Anand and I talked about this. Anand and I talked about this on the Decision Point show that the Saints being the clear favorites to win the NFC South never made any sense, that it was totally up for grabs. Any one of those teams could could win. And Anand was very much like, hey, Baker Mayfield could lead this Buccaneers team to the playoffs. So uh, right, I see the Saints winning, but the Buccaneers winning 9 nothing. Hilarious. Hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. But let's go game by game here. We're going to go game by game. Saints, they crush and they still miss the playoffs. Falcons 
were destroyed, but the beauty is they were destroyed and embarrassed. Uh, Desmond Ritter was actually fine. Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter was was good, right? Three hundred yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Can't complain there. Just they, they he he wasn't good enough, right? Bijan twenty five fantasy points. That's the, the thing with some of these week eighteen performances is they will impact the fantasy rankings for 2023 the fantasy points per game all the metrics count for week 18 even though they didn't no one's fantasy league was playing in week 18 or very few right and so this was a dfs week only but yet this was a big week for Bijan, where you're going to look at his fantasy points per game and it's going to be up a notch based on what it would have been had he had a, a similar performance from the week week prior Big week for Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller coming in, and they're like, hey, let's just roll with Kendra Miller. Let's see what happens. No Alvin Kamara. And then 73 yards on 13 carries for Kendra Miller. Only one catch, though. So that's the thing with Kendra Miller. We know Kendra Miller is going to give you 70 yards on 13 carries. That's not a surprise. What would have been nice from Kendra Miller is if we saw a bunch of catches. We didn't see a lot of targets, didn't see a lot of catches. So unfortunately... We don't know what he is yet. Heading into 2024, who is Kendra Miller? What's his role going to be? Still wide open. Drake London got the targets, the nine targets. Hey, this is what we love. Drake London, nine targets. He had eight fantasy points. And this is going to be the perpetual dilemma with Drake London. He has excellent advanced stats and metrics. We know that, right? His air yard share, one of the best in the league. And, and But it's two consecutive years now where he's had target share, air yard share, what you want. Like he's clearly like a top 20 talent at the wide receiver position, but he's been putting up 11 fantasy points a game for two consecutive seasons. And that's what he is. If those of you complaining that he's not higher in our dynasty rankings, well, you tell me how it's going to change. They drafted B. John Robinson. What do you think is going to happen? They, they, Kyle Pitts is not going anywhere. There's no path for them to upgrade their quarterback at 7-10 and 10 unless they trade for Justin Fields, but that just became a lot less likely. You love to see Rashid Shahid being the leading receiver. He's going to be a value. He's going to be a great best ball asset without Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is overdone, retired soon, hopefully. And then that opens up for the consolidation of targets in New Orleans around Shahid and Olave and A.T. Perry, two touchdowns. I love A.T. Perry. We had A.T. Perry ranked ahead of Michael Thomas in Dynasty. I was like, that's just crazy. He's a day three pick. What are you guys doing? It's like, well, no, some day three picks are actually in a great position and are really good players. Remember R.C. Fisher? He came on and, and spoke as highly about Rashad White as anybody. And then on that same show, he also talked about how A.T. Perry was the most underrated wide receiver in the 2023 class. And there's A.T. Perry having a better game, certainly a more efficient game, but just a better game than you ever got from Quinton Johnston. If you could go back in time, if you were running the Chargers, you would rather have A.T. Perry go back and draft A.T. Perry in the first round over Quinton Johnston. And you'd end up with a better receiver. And I just love how Jonu Smith does it again. Jonu Smith tripling Kyle Pitts' fantasy production is just funny and apropos in every way, and I love it so much. Uh, the Browns uh, just basically uh, you know, backed in to the playoffs, started Driscoll, didn't care, started Pierre Strong. Pierre Strong had a nice little game, 
right? Just like Kendra Miller. Oh, what's happening here, right? Four plus yards per carry for Pierre Strong. Did Pierre Strong get the targets? No, unfortunately not. David Bell, David Bell ringing the bell for 2024. You love to see that. Outproducing Cedric Tillman. Why? David Bell's better than Cedric Tillman. This was something we all knew. Love to see Charlie Football as the leading receiver. Charlie Football, he will be heard from again. Trust me, you will. he's not going away. And then Joe Mixon, 44-yard run. Joe Mixon, 111 yards. We talked about this. Hey, what would you rather have, a first-rounder in Joe Mixon or Kyron Williams in Dynasty? I'd rather have the pick in Joe Mixon. I'd rather have the pick in Alvin Kamara. Joe Mixon comes back to the Bengals next year. No reason he won't. It's going to be the band back together with Joe Burrow. Joe Mixon was underrated heading into 2023. He's going to be underrated heading into 2024 as well. Calvin Ridley, this is one of those things that kills me. Calvin Ridley, 100 yards and a touchdown when it doesn't matter. Just hilarious. But the problem is this is going to impact Calvin Ridley's overall fantasy output from 2023 his fantasy points per game will be impacted by this and then we're gonna be looking up and go oh i guess i guess he wasn't that bad i guess calvin really wasn't that bad was he right oh i guess he wasn't no but those of us that were actually on the ground that were living it knew how bad calvin ridley was especially in the context of no christian kirk no zay jones right so if we look it up if we look at who were the the, the top scoring wide receivers for the year it was C.D. Lamb and Tyreek Hill, right? But if you, if you sort by points per game, you know, C.D. Lamb was ahead of Tyreek Hill in both points per game and total fantasy points. Unbelievable. Uh, this is unbelievable. So, and if we scroll down, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep scrolling here. I know you can't see what I'm doing. Calvin Ridley, actually, uh, man, he was... Wide receiver 18. What? What? This is what kills me. He he finished because of what happened in week 18. Calvin Ridley finished ahead of Devontae Smith, ahead of DK Metcalf, and ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. That is a joke. That is such a joke. As he wasn't more helpful than those receivers on the season. And... Guess who was a wide receiver one? The under-the-radar under the wide receiver one. There were two big under-the-radar wide receiver ones in 2023. Once we factor in week 18, got to factor in week 18. This is very important. Puka Nakua okay, was a top-five receiver, outproduced in both total points and points per game. He outproduced A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen and Stephon Diggs. Well, did not produce... Did not outproduce Keenan Allen in points per game. But in total fantasy points, outproduced A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase. Another sleeper in the top 12, Nico Collins. So this is a big debate. This is going to be a big, oh, this is a big debate. This is a big debate. And let me know in the chat. I want to know what the chat thinks. In Dynasty, would you rather have Nico Collins or T. Higgins? This is the big debate where typically if I have a, a strong feeling about a player, then it's echoed by Theo, Dario, Evan, Evan, our, our great uh, intern who manages our dynasty rankings with Dario and Theo. And it's, it's, it's a team effort. Higgins versus Collins is really creating tension at our company. It really is. This We are not in agreement. 
right? In fact, I'm on an island, really. They like Nico Collins a lot, right? And of course, like if we look at what, what did Nico Collins do, right? Look at Nico Collins. Didn't he put up close to 200 yards? Well, he must have, right? I'm looking at, I'm just doing the math in my head of where he finished. So let's look at the Texans Colts game. Let's skip to the Texans Colts game. Nico Collins had 195 yards. He was nine for nine. And the Texans are the four seed home game against the Browns. No Tank Dell, no problem. No Tank Dell, no problem. All about Nico Collins. It was Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz and no other Texans receiver had more than 10 yards receiving. This was the greatest, maybe one of, if not the greatest game, single game in the history of the dominator rating metric for Nico Collins. He was a wide receiver one. He's got prototypical X receiver size. And he's an athlete, you know, great burst, size-adjusted burst, agility, the whole thing, great. And yet, I am wired in a way that if a player has only performed at a high level for one season, I am skeptical. I am generally skeptical, and when a player has been a regular top 24 performer, like a T. Higgins, then I generally default to... Okay, I'd rather have the guy that I've seen year in, year out perform at a level. And now, both of these guys are similar in that they deliver huge spike weeks. Like when Higgins hits, he hits big. When Collins hits, he hits bigs. And when they when they put in duds, they 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 play dud. The hits are hits and the duds are duds with Collins and with Higgins. So that's what's interesting about them. That's why they're they're similar. But you know, at this point, after one one breakout season. We didn't know what Higgins was. We weren't sure that Higgins was a beta in alpha clothing, right? It was only years had to go by for this to be revealed. This is my issue where I don't have this. I have two seasons of Nico Collins being invisible and then him being like an alpha looking top 12 receiver. So it, it, this, really, it, this really is a Rorsatch test on fantasy analysts of like what are the perception drivers of players and value in dynasty. Are you a Higgins guy or are you a Collins guy? Because this is the year that, that Higgins had his worst year as a professional, like heading into a contract year where, I mean, he clearly didn't want this. Like, if, if he it wasn't due to laziness. This was just a bad luck season for T. Higgins, especially with Joe Burrow not being healthy all year. This is not the season he envisioned. And, and with Nico Collins, he couldn't have drawn it up better. But in the end, one guy has one season that we can go back and say, hey, this was great. And another guy has a, a bunch of seasons where, hey, this, this was an asset for my fantasy team. So do you want the, the, the guy with four seasons as an asset or the guy with one season? But that one season was better than any season that, that, that the guy with four seasons ever posted. We know one guy's a beta. We don't know what the other guy is yet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm open to arguments, right? I'm not take locked on this. My general sense is I'm going to lean T Higgins, but I'm open to argument on why no with T no with Nico Collins is different. This is a a third year breakout and and this was very this is all very understandable the whole way. So believe in Nico and you know what T Higgins is. I don't know. 
I don't know. I know what I know, and I know what I don't know. Who has a better season next year, Nico Collins or T. Higgins? I don't know, but we're going to find out together. Okay. Uh, Derrick Henry ending with a bang. Uh, his final game with the Tennessee Titans. King Henry put up a, a long run of 69 yards. You love to see it. Tajay Spears, though, had a touchdown. Tajay Spears had the three targets and an, another receiving touchdown. So Tajay Spears actually had more touchdowns in that game than Derrick Henry. So Spears ended incredibly strong. Spears ended stronger than Rashad White. Right, Rashad White was getting a lot of touches at the end of 2022, but he wasn't putting up big numbers and he wasn't super efficient. Tajay Spears has been super efficient. So he has earned the job in a way that not even Rashad White could say that he did if you turn back the clock. So I am incredibly excited for Tajay Spears. He is a better player than Kyron Williams in a vacuum. I would rather have Tajay Spears. He's better in every way than Kyron Williams. Okay, and so that that's really it. So if, if you want, hey, what are you going to do when you, if you're going to trade Kyron Williams? I like. Well, here's what I would do. I would just do Spears plus whatever the guy wants to send me. Give me Spears plus whatever else to make it to make it balanced. Fine. You know, we have the Dynasty Dominator apps. So you can go to the Dynasty Dominator app. You can pull up the trade evaluator, and then you could just put in Kyron Williams, and you can put in Spears, and then you can put in a draft pick or whatever else, and you can figure it out. That's the easiest way to do it. It's like, here's the running back that I think is actually better, who has less trade value. So that's a target. That's a guy I'm trying to buy on. I think buy high. I think still think that you consider it a buy high on Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears ended on a high note. It's a buy high situation. And it's a sell high on Kyron Williams. Again, I know that's not popular, right? Fading Nico Collins is not popular. People love Nico right now. Fading Kyron Williams, not popular. People love Kyron Williams right now. I get it. I get it. I'm just an old man who has seen a lot of single season success stories. A lot. A lot. A lot. Lions finish strong. You love to see it. Lions in the playoffs, you love to see it. The three seed, right? And uh, the Vikings, we knew, even if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, the Vikings were not going to the playoffs. They were super lucky last year, and the, the everything came back into balance this year. You like to see Gibbs getting more carries than David Montgomery. That's something we, we hope can continue. David Montgomery is still, I think, the primary back, in quotes, the de facto primary back in Detroit, but all we just need to pile in more evidence and see more and more and more like, okay, Gibbs, if Gibbs can be a 60-40 opportunity share split running back with Montgomery in the 40 next year, Montgomery's still going to get carries inside the 10. They score so many points in Detroit. Montgomery is going to be fantasy relevant regardless, but we're just rooting for maximum touches for Gibbs. And St. Brown coming through, St. Brown ended up being the wide receiver three. Now, Lamb and Hill dominated, but Amon Ra, the clear wide receiver three. And he is the guy that could challenge Lamb and Jefferson and Chase in Dynasty. That the, There's a big three now. And then the next guy, the next guy is clearly Amon Ra. And, and then 
the question is who's going to challenge? Like, who's going to challenge Chase and Jefferson? Well, it ended up being Lamb. Who's going to challenge the big three in 2024? It's Amon Ra. And I, I hope that you know those that were claiming Rashad White's bad at football, that Amon Ra's just a slot receiver. Like, can we just... It's just fun to see all the wrongness be vanquished and so many fantasy analysts, some of them with big audiences, just look silly. It's a fun. It's fun to see this. It's great. I'm on Raw. You love it. Justin Jefferson, though, went completely nuclear with Nick Mullins. This is why I'm not worried about the quarterback situation. Yes, it's probably going to be Cousins. He's going to come back earlier from this ruptured Achilles and anyone is ready for. Get, you know, It's going to be exciting. So that so many are ready to just crown CD Lamb, and I'm a dissenter. Like I'm officially a dissenter. I'm like, you know, I've seen it for more seasons at the same age with Justin Jefferson. Why am I in such a hurry to crown CD Lamb when I have Justin Jefferson as the bird in hand? I, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. So I, I think that the quarterback uh, concerns are fake. If you have any quarterback concerns, it's going to be about Jordan Addison, but Jordan Addison had 15 fantasy points with Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins put up 400 yards. Nick Mullins has always been one of the best backup quarterbacks. And again, Chargers did not sign any of these guys that we know to be competent backup quarterbacks. And again, the shameful non-move of last offseason was the Chargers not signing a Nick Mullins, not signing a, a Joe Flacco. Jacoby Brissett especially was there and just... Blech. Easton Stick, here we go. Laporta with the touchdown. <laughs> I mean, another seven targets from Laporta. It's easy to take Laporta for granted because now we're like 10 weeks into this reality that Laporta is the best tight end in football and in Dynasty especially. But it it's very strange, odd, weird that the best tight end would be a rookie, that he would be this dominant. This is unprecedented. We've never seen it. It's very exciting. And just please, before you go to bed tonight, genuflect at the altar of Sam Laporta. He is amazing. Jets beat the Patriots 17-3. I mean, what? 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 The, the whole narrative was Bill's not going to let this happen. He's not going to go down without a fight. But now the Patriots are very much in play for a, a top quarterback, an elite quarterback. I hope it's Drake May. I want it to be Drake May. I believe it will ultimately be Drake May. And in somehow, some way, Bill did this team a solid. He ran Ezekiel Elliott, ran Kevin Harris, and they lost. They lost to Trevor Simeon. Again, Trevor Simeon put up 70 yards. Brees Hall, 28 fantasy points, 37 carries. That's irresponsible. This guy was coming off a torn ACL to start the season and you're going to give him 37 carries in a meaningless game? Shame on the Jets for doing it. Maybe, I'm sure Brees Hall loves to say, but that doesn't help his fantasy case. That doesn't help him. Like, we already knew what Brees Hall is. We knew that you give Brees Hall 40 carries, he's going to give you 200 yards. That doesn't help him. I still want him in Dynasty. This is just irresponsible like player usage management. But Bill did the team a solid on, on his way out. Oh, man, I hope he's on his way out. Has he been fired yet? I haven't checked the news either. I've checked nothing. I've checked nothing. I have no idea. I know that Ron Rivera was fired, as if that wasn't the most obvious thing that anyone has ever imagined in their in, in their lives. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are about to get divorced. So nothing, nothing has happened yet with Bill Belichick. I expect him to be fired, but I have been wrong before about these things. Uh, Buccaneers just did what it did what they needed to win. Bryce Young put up less than 100 yards and is one of the great 101 busts or at least rookie bust seasons we've ever seen. And yet, and yet, I'm not ready to just walk away. I've seen Jared Goff have a similar horrific season. Peyton Manning's rookie year was an abomination. I could see myself getting a bunch of Bryce Young in super flex leagues and two quarterback leagues this year. In 2024, I think you're going to see it. You're going to see it happen. They're going to upgrade the wide receivers. They're going to invest in the offensive line. This team is going to start turning it around and uh, get ready. Get ready for Bryce Young to become a value, unless you think that he, he can't improve. The one thing we know about Bryce Young is he has the capacity to improve, that he's a hard worker, that he's cerebral. These guys don't just fade away, right? They don't just go quietly into the night. Bryce Young will be back. So you victory lap the bust. You victory lap Stroud over Young. And then also you go back because you don't suffer from take lock and you draft Bryce Young. That's what you do. And congratulations to Jordan Love. Officially, I was wrong about Jordan Love. He was 27 for 32. He put up over 300 yards, no interceptions. See, the no interceptions is so big, right? Staying away from turnovers. Jaden Reed over 100 yards. So I'm fine. As long as Reed and Melton are the best receivers on this team, which is making all my dreams come true, I'm fine being wrong about Jordan Love. That Jordan Love, because quarterback is the most impossible position to project. No one knows. Look at the Panthers with, with Bryce Young. A lot of these guys, no one knows. What we have to go on is a, a, a truly bad track record at Utah State for Jordan Love. That's all I could base my projection for Jordan Love for 2023 on. And he vastly exceeded it. And congratulations. Like, awesome job, Jordan Love. Aaron Jones putting up a 100-yard game that no one cares about. Just the, the, the empty calorie, 100 yards, sub-20 fantasy points for, for Aaron Jones. He's well past the age apex. Roshan Johnson, more efficient than Khalil Herbert again, but Roshan Johnson didn't get the targets. This is perfect. The problem with Jaden Reed going nuclear for the final five games of the season is that he's going to be a lot more expensive, especially in best ball in 2024, which is not ideal. We knew he was great regardless. If he wasn't quite as productive, that, that would have been helped us with the ADP. Now Jaden Reed's like a stud, and everyone knows it. Roshan Johnson's under the radar. Roshan Johnson is a stud, and you will only realize it next year, and I love that. Justin Fields had an underwhelming performance for a 7-10 team, helping them get a better draft pick. I think that he's done enough up until this game to convince the team that he is their franchise quarterback. I still believe that. We're talking about Ron Rivera, out. Commanders, Brian Robinson, 10 fantasy points. He is a sell candidate in Dynasty. Get, I mean, get Brian Robinson out of my life. He is a plotter. He is a better pass catcher than I imagined. He did catch three passes, got a touchdown as a receiver. Good for you, but it's not enough. It's not enough for me, and I can't wait for someone to free Antonio Gibson. He you know, was the second leading receiver for this team, and free Antonio Gibson wherever he goes, I want him. CeeDee Lamb just padding the stats. 
unbelievable. And then Tony Pollard would have been nice to have that game last week, buddy. That's my take. Sam Howell, another stinker. Sub 10 fantasy points for Sam Howell. Remember? Remember Sam Howell? Remember how everyone loved Sam Howell? Forgot that he was a day three pick, that he's undersized. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't have a big arm. Like He's Baker Mayfield. Like, that's who Sam Howell is. He's a late-round Baker Mayfield. That's what I called him. It's like, oh, no, you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. So many of these players. No, 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 you don't understand. Devin Singletary. No, no, you don't understand. He's really good. Trust me. Jimmy Garoppolo made an appearance in this Las Vegas Raiders win over the Broncos, 27-14. The Raiders really needed a good draft pick, and the, the team conspired to not give them one. Zamir White, a total workhorse, and you love to see it. He has he runs a 4-4. He's a total workhorse. Not catching passes, though. So, But that's okay. There's plenty of... Uh, Derrick Henry is the best example of this, but there are between-the-tackles runners who are fast, who have great football skills, with the exception of receiving, that are big-time assets for fantasy teams. And that's Zamir White. Jerry Judy put the 16 fantasy points... Cortland Sutton, just the dud of the duds. So finally, Jerry Judy outproduced Cortland Sutton. It took him until week 18. Jerry Judy is a bust, but this this game, this game, you see, is if we so let's take a look at where Jerry Judy ended up finishing. Jerry Judy played most of the games, and he ended up being a top 50 receiver. Jerry Judy was a top 50 receiver on the year in total fantasy points. Woof. He's done just enough. There's going to be people. There are going to be, you mark my words, there's going to be people that are back in on Jerry Judy this offseason. You know it. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. God, I can't. Thank you. Everyone in the chat, yes. Just back up the truck this year on Antonio Gibson and Roshan Johnson. Like, that's, those are your marching orders at running back. Chuba Hubbard. Tajay Spears, Kenneth Gainwell. Oh, yeah. Oh, there. I got truthers at running back. I got a list, a laundry list of truthers at running back that you can load up. Zero RB is going to be back. It's going to be more popular in 2024, but it's going to be back in my repertoire. And those are just some of the running backs I want. I don't want the expensive ones. I'm going to give you one more. I got to give you one more, one more running back. Okay, not Zach Moss, wherever Zach Moss goes. How about not Zach Moss? Not Brian Robinson. Okay. Mm. Oh, oh, Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler. Yes, Ty Chandler had another good game. 11 fantasy points. Why not? Why not Ty Chandler? Zamir White. There's another one. So that's, that's almost 10. I think I think it's enough. I think you have enough now. You know, go forth and draft late round running backs until you can't draft them anymore. Unfortunately, Pacheco's no longer no longer counts. Pacheco, his ADP is gonna be up a few rounds this year, and so he's no longer gonna be a late round running back like he was this year. Clyde Edward Solaire is a free agent and a deep sleeper at running back that we talked about stashing many, many weeks ago ended up impressing. LaMichael Pirine. LaMichael Pirine will be heard from in 2024. LaMichael Pirine is another one of these late round running backs at the end of drafts. 
pay attention to where he ends up. No Edward Solaire. It could be that with McKinnon now well into his 30s, Edward Solaire, a free agent, that Pirine is the backup to Pacheco. Oh! Ah! Ah! The leading receivers in the Chiefs-Chargers game were Mecole Hardman and Donald Parham Jr. Justin Ross made it into this game. Alex Erickson was in this game. All these players were in this game. And you have to scroll down past Darius Davis. This is so pathetic. I can't believe this is so pathetic. Tied with Justin Ross for receiving yards was the receiver that should have been featured, wanted to be featured, should have been featured. I mean, I don't even like him, but I can't believe they wouldn't find a way to get him more carries, more touches, more more targets, something. Like, run reverses. Get the ball in his hands. 17 yards for Quinton Johnston. I mean, what? 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 Rams are in the playoffs, beating the 49ers with Sam Darnold at quarterback. Hey, process-wise, stashing Sam Darnold in Superflex leagues still made sense. Stashing Elijah Mitchell still made sense. They didn't end up producing. That's okay. How Carson Wentz ran the ball 17 times, I'll never know. That's, I have to go back and watch that game. But you got to love Chris Conley reminding everybody that he still exists, that he's still in the league. Royce Freeman. Look at the names. Look at the names. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Who's dominant at Minnesota. Got a touchdown. Look at these names. Ray Ray McLeod. What a game. What a game of names. Just to remember. Hey, Ronnie Rivers, you're still around, man. You gotta love that game. That's just fun. It's fun to go down memory lane with all these names. Tyrod Taylor. Hey, another quality backup quarterback. Better than Marcus Mariota, that's for sure. Gainwell. He was playing. Swift was not. But he was super efficient because that's what Gainwell does. Gainwell's on that list of running backs that you're not allowed to forget. Oh, Cody Carpenter is going to love to see Quez Watkins was the leading receiver for the Eagles. That game doesn't matter. Barkley puts up the 23 fantasy points. Barkley begging, pleading for the Giants not to franchise him. I hope they don't. Please don't. Seahawks needed to win, needed some help, and didn't get it. So the Seahawks are out of the playoffs, sadly. Geno Smith, good but not great. Isn't that what Geno Smith is? Geno Smith is good but not great. Kyler Murray was super efficient and his number one receiver, six for six, 95 yards. Michael Wilson, baby! Yeah! Let's go! There's your, there's your highest exposure wide receiver for 2024, Michael Wilson. And the reason why is because there's going to be always they're going receiver. So you got to get you got to get you know the rookie that's going to be tethered to, to Kyler Murray, there's a chance they don't go receiver. You know they're not going to go Bowers. So they're probably going to go receiver. But but teams will surprise you, right? Even some of the most locked-in picks, like need, plus, buzz, together, these you know, players are going to these teams for sure. There's always a handful that you just feel like you know. And then sure enough, one of them doesn't. It doesn't end up happening. 
So just in the off chance that they don't draft a receiver in, for, in the first round, Michael Wilson, his ADP post-draft, if they don't go receiver in the first round, would jump multiple rounds. And then that receiver could start slow, could be a Quinton Johnston, could get injured. Either way, everything is setting up for Michael Wilson to be the alpha next year unless they draft a Marvin Harrison Jr. It's going to be the Michael Wilson and Trey McBride show. Get ready. like get, get ready for it. Jackson Smith and Jigba, another dud. That is one of the more difficult players to project forward. And we're going to have a big dynasty summit later this week. And then we're going to figure out this this uh, what to do with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's a name. He's certainly a name. But he didn't have any spike weeks. He's a spike week free receiver. When you think about Jackson Smith and Jigba, can you think about a week that he went nuclear? No. I don't think there was one. I mean, let me know in the chat if there was one and I'm missing it. Maybe I, maybe I, didn't, I, I, I didn't recall. But I'm looking at his weekly performances. Jackson's, whoa. Not only did Jackson Smith and Jigba never deliver a spike week, he never hit 15 fantasy points in any given game. Whoa, whoa. There has to be some study. Hey, Fantasy Analyst X out there listening to this show. You want to write an article? Go find every rookie receiver that was drafted in the first round that did not give you a 15-point week and see if any of them ended up breaking out ultimately in the NFL. I don't know the answer, but that's why it's a great exercise. It's very difficult to find Quinton Johnston on a list of fantasy performances because it's just you have to go down so far. Quinton Johnston also never crested 15 fantasy points in a given game. His best game was 13.4 fantasy points in week 10. So sad. So, so sad. Just keep coming back to Quinton Johnston. Fun game. Bills, Bills Dolphins, fun game. And, you know, the Bills are really good. And it's fun to get re reminded how good Josh Allen is. 350 plus yards. Running 15 times. Completely took over. Was awesome. 26 fantasy points. Khalil Shakir is better than Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis had no yards. Shakir had 100 plus. And he was 6 for 6. He's super efficient. He is the natural number two in Buffalo. He's another receiver I'm going to have a lot of next year in all formats. This is one of those few games where I'm glad he put up big numbers in week 18. It didn't necessarily skew his final ranking. And it, you know, it's going to be discounted by all of those that are that are looking at the performances for the year. And so you're still going to get a significant you know, value in drafts on Khalil Shakir, but it's nice to know that he has this kind of game in him. He's fast. He was dominant in college. He has the, the body type that's closer to like a, the a big time NFL producer now than Gabriel Davis. More Gabriel Davis, more of a throwback. If it was 20 years ago, might prefer Gabriel Davis, but but in today's NFL, it's all about Khalil Shakir. Steelers won. Najee Harris padding his stats. Don't get fooled by the Najee Harris finish to the season. There's going to be uh, plenty of people that are going to be touting Najee Harris that he's back. That you know he he had you know it was a, it was a tricky period there where the coach was implying that they preferred uh, Jalen Warren, but in the actual touch distribution that never manifested. It was always Najee Harris, at least 
almost every week except one or two. And Najee Harris is the man in that bag. Five for five out of the backfield as a receiver. And then George Pickens was shut out. He had one carry. So George Pickens shut out. That's going to happen. This is what uh, those of us that are pro Pickens, I laid out his stats, his incredibly impressive stats, especially stats like dominator rating and, and target premium where he's top five in the NFL. So there's multiple efficiency metrics where he's top five in the NFL. I love Pickens moving forward. Uh, just to continue to grow and evolve, and him putting up a dud in Week 18 and suppressing his, uh, you know, total fantasy points for the season—it's perfect, perfect. And Deontay Johnson putting up 18 fantasy points—that's not going to bolster him for next year anyway. So you can still get both these guys. I like both these guys. I'm going to continue drafting both of these guys. And so this was a, a, a sort of a dream outcome here. And again, you're not drafting Najee Harris. Najee Harris is not fast. And there's nothing separating Anaja Harris from any big plotting back that's just getting Zach Moss, right? There's not a big differentiator between Zach Moss and Najee Harris. There's just not, except draft capital. That is it. That is it. So don't be fooled by this the 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 final flourish of Najee Harris. It's the case with most running backs. Don't get talked into, don't talk, don't get convinced that, oh no, this guy, this guy's actually worthy of an earlier pick. This guy's, I'm going to move up and get this guy. This guy, okay, I like this guy. Where is Najee Harris going to go next year? Who knows? No one knows what his ADP is going to be. It could be as high as like fifth round. You could see it. And then it's like, get out of here. Because there are like a fifth round pick in 2023 was Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth Walker actually has breakaway speed. Like he's like Najee Harris, but breakaway speed. Zamir White, he's like Najee Harris, but breakaway speed. And Isaiah Likely was productive and efficient again. He's not going away. When is the conversation going to start about Mark Andrews having an Isaiah Likely problem? That's an open question. And we talked a little bit, a little preview of Texans-Colts. That was a cool, fun game. Stroud was super efficient again. Singletary. Productive, 13 fantasy points, gave you the touchdown, but Singletary's not a strong receiver. Only one catch again. So again, just another one of these running backs that gets plucked from anonymity. Everyone thinks, oh, he's washed, it's over. Signs for the bare minimum. Never produced in Buffalo. Cardboard cutout, backup running back. Oh, next thing you know, he's, he's an every week starter in fantasy. Forget about it. Get him out of your mind, Right. Michael Pittman, 44 yards. The rare game for Michael Pittman where he's not giving you nine targets. Right? Jonathan Taylor, padding the stats, reminding everybody why he's Jonathan Taylor. And again, not going to convince me to draft him next year. We'll see, but we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe the overall stats from 2023 will suppress Jonathan Taylor's ADP where I can be convinced. I don't know where he's going in early, you know, way too early drafts yet. My sense is there's no fucking way I'll be able to draft him with a straight face. But he would be one of those running backs where if he leaks a few rounds, like, okay, now I Travis Etienne in the fourth round, right? That's what we're looking for. Who's that running back that's going to leak into the fourth round that could be Travis Etienne in 2024? There's a running back I can believe in. Will Taylor leak to the fourth round? No way. I don't see it. So I don't see me drafting him much at all. Stroud over Burrow. Then the question is, 
Stroud over Mahomes. Stroud went 20 for 26. I mean, this was against one of the worst secondaries in the league. That's why Collins going nuclear didn't surprise me, right? That's the thing. You got to look back and say, okay, who did Collins shred again, right? So the team that gets utterly destroyed by outside wide receivers, by perimeter wide receivers, is the team that he put up his biggest weeks against. Okay, right? This is how a player can come from nowhere and be a top 12 receiver. And if you draft him as a top 12 receiver the following year, you're a sucker. Like, this is how it happens. Who did he produce against? Michael Pittman can produce against anybody. I'm not convinced that's the case for Nico Collins. It may be a conversation where someone thinks that Nico Collins is better than Michael Pittman. That, to me, is insane. I think the conversation and the tension point is Collins and Higgins, and but it is conceivable that people get out over their skis on these guys that have big years and say, oh, yeah, well, the debate really is uh, it's a really good debate between uh, Michael Pittman and uh, Nico Collins. It's like, uh, what the hell are you even talking about? Michael Pittman is a stud. I'm not cheating on football with another sport. If you draft him as a top 12 receiver the following year, you're a sucker.